The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. <laughs> South Connection. Welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Um, I am here. This is Jumbly Jake. Another week in the Ruthless Aggression era. Post-WrestleMania 19. We're two weeks out now, so officially post-Mania. Uh, I will bring in my guest who's sticking with me through this whole entire, this next uh, backlash leg of the journey, and that is Logan Grossland. What's up, Logan? What is up, Jake? How you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. We'll see how these uh, this week of TV does. Our last one did not blow our <laughs> blow our minds or anything, but we kind of chalked it up to, you know, they're missing some guys post mania. So we'll see if they can bounce back here. Yeah, without a doubt, maybe, maybe get a few uh, soldiers back in the back in line. So um, yeah, it, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see if they kind of rebound. Yes, yeah, so we will also get one. Uh, one very large, very tall soldier back, as we'll get to on Raw. That's but true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We we don't have to waste any time. I mean, we can we'll hop right into it because these are usually pretty loaded, um, one way or another. I mean, it's loaded with stuff. It's not always the greatest, but they are loaded. They pack a lot into these shows. Uh, I have no for the second week in a row. I didn't really find any. There's one uh, I kind of looked into just because um, we were discussing it. Uh, that I'll get into, but really no major news notes here. I mean, besides the obvious, which is going to become obvious on the show, but you know, nothing really, no real strange happenings. I don't know. I haven't had any homicides in the observer. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of weird stories I know too, and it's kind of leveled off. It's just a lot of melts are talking about what's going on in Japan. And then, um, I feel like every other issue of this era is like 
such and such news outlet did a story on how many wrestlers are dying at like age 44 or whatever. And that's a lot of the observer right now is like the New York times or whatever did a story on all the wrestlers that are dropping dead at age 40. So, mm. um, that's someone necessarily need to get into. Yeah, exactly. And th- this is kind of right after mania. So there's probably a lot of big news and stuff like that heading into that. So, uh, kind of mm-hmm. coming out of it, if you're not, if it's not like the first week, uh, right after where it's like, Oh, Austin's retiring and blah, 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 stuff like that. Uh, it's probably not going to have too much, big going on uh this close to mania right the only thing i could think of just off the top that i read but we kind of already talked about it on the mania 19 movie pod just with angle that he decided to confirm that he decided to get the surgery where he's only going to be out for you know whatever it is like two months or something as opposed to doing the full neck fusion which you know time will tell if that was the best decision for angle but it fits (laughs) his personality but we kind of already discussed that that's pretty well known so uh yeah we'll we'll dive into the show so we're gonna start off with the april 7th already in april um april 7 2003 raw live from milwaukee so milwaukee uh wisconsin and of course the big hype match for tonight is the tag that we set up last week where it'll be booker t and Shawn michaels versus flair and triple h so we'll get to that much later tonight but we will open um not with a big promo but actually start with a match show on raw it's going to be a women's match and i was kind of surprised to see them just throw this out there it's going to be trish versus jazz sort of an unresolved feud that had been that was kicking in the early days of this podcast and then jazz got a pretty severe injury and she's just returning so um, were you surprised to see them just throw this out here with no real hype yeah, it was definitely surprising. Um, re- really big match, uh, like you said, obviously with a few to kind of attach to it uh, that never really got resolved. They were in the triple threat at Mania, but um, you know Trish pins Victoria, so uh, Jazz isn't really factored into the decision. So yeah, it's a big, big, big women's match for this time period for sure, and uh, uh, exciting to see uh, it, it it start the show here. Right, and it's uh, indicative of the women's division that they don't really have a whole lot, so they just keep trotting these same ladies out there. But <laughs> see what they do with it. Uh, Trish is on her heels early as uh, Jazz is getting all the offense. She comes back, hits the chick kick, knocks Jazz out of the ring, hits uh, a cool uh, like a Thez press to the outside. It was a nice little fiery move by Trish. Mm-hmm. But they go back in. Jazz is back on top. Hits a um, a Fisher, not the greatest one you ever see, but a, a pretty slick uh, fisherman buster. I was. I was glad that they whipped it out. I think it was more of a, not quite as much on the buster part. It was more of a, it was like a hybrid. It almost went like she was going for the buster, but ended up being a little bit more of a suplex. But it still looked decent. Uh, Jazz appears to be going after the back here. Trish battles out of that, goes for, uh, gets out of the STF, hits a trick, a chick kick, hits the stratosphere. Uh, Jazz is able to survive that, and then uh, Trish comes back and wins with the uh, Stratisfaction. But um, classic wrestling trope, Jazz had her foot on the ropes, and the, uh, the ref did not see it, which would highly, highly implicate, uh, imply that we're going to have a, uh, a rematch with this. So um, it makes sense that they would kind of go with a, a non-finished finish because, like we mentioned, just throwing this out there, maybe this could have a bit more build. Then just throwing out there randomly on Raw. Maybe this could be what jump starts these two, as we'll see Victoria later. Um, I don't want to read too much into it, but it seems like she could be a little bit on the back burner now. Uh, I thought it was a solid match. Ended right as they could have, like, I thought they ended it right as they could have went in the second gear, which 
is most of their matches, not to the women's fault, but just a matter of the time that they get. So let's hope that maybe they get a rematch and they do get a chance to get a little more time. But as it was, I went with a good old two. It was a good, solid little opener to Raw. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good physical women's match. Uh, a little bit more physical than you would uh, be accustomed to uh, kind of in this time period. I thought Jazz really had some big hard hits. Uh, she struck her pretty good. Um, she busted her lip at one point. She was locking in those submissions, really wrenching on the knee and neck and back. Um, I, the one commentary note I pull out of this one. Um, JR talks about how Jazz was a point guard in college and uh, goes in and on that on how much of an athlete she is. And then King uh, pipes in and says, well, Trish did really well in college too. She got a PhD in SEX. So uh, I thought that oh was uh, super duper cringe. Um, yeah. 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 I, I do think she actually is a very uh, well-educated woman. Uh, I think that is like a, sh- not, not in SEX, but I think she does shoot, have like, a master's degree in something so um but it, it <laughs> we'll throw that to the side for now um but i thought it made trish look like a badass that she kind of came out with the win uh after getting beat pretty good throughout the match by jazz i went a little higher i went two and a half i thought it was a good way to open the show for sure yep and a special shout out i had mentioned jazz is um her uh because she is of course built from new orleans uh Mm-hmm. near my neck of the woods and she has the uh the horns as her entrance like these jazz which is kind of odd because it sort of fits her but you would think she had more like a like a brock lesnar type theme where it'd be like some crunchy guitar or something and mm-hmm. instead it's always like exactly and her getting screwed uh kind of leads to something later so uh it, it's obviously going to probably lead to another match but it also leads to her getting a little bit more of a more of a uh, character uh, motivation. Correct. All right. The rock has arrived. He's upset about the bullshit that Goldberg pulled last week. Um, he starts mocking all of uh, Goldberg's little mannerisms with the tongue and everything. <laughs> and then says that tonight he is calling out Bill Goldberg. So throwing it out on the table, continuing where we left off last week. Um, we then head to RVD and Kane, who are with their new tag team titles. Uh, Rob has really been enjoying the moment. He said, I've been taking the incredible positive vibes, man. Kane says, yeah, he celebrated also. He found a dead skunk and brought it in the basement. And luckily, Rob cuts him off of that. And Rob says, yeah, I saw the skunk too, man. And they kind of uh, they end on that. So um, any any idea what you think Kane might have been doing with the dead skunk in the basement, Logan? I, I just don't even want to know. Um, and yeah, yeah, RVD said something about uh, uh, his watch constantly saying 420. So a lot of a lot of uh, innuendo there with the skunky smells and the uh, on the and, and the time being that uh, constantly in RVD's mind. So yeah, I don't I don't, <laughs> I don't want to know what was going on with the skunk. I'd imagine Kane was probably giving it a political speech if I had to guess. Yeah, he was in trying the, uh... to make it a libertarian. <laughs> right, skunk was very bored. Um, maybe the skunk killed itself listening to King. <laughs> That's why it was dead. And I was saying, I don't know if you're going to get into this after this, but they announced that uh, RVD will be taken on Morley, and then uh, Kane will be taken on the Dudleys uh, later on in the night, kind of after this segment as they go to commercial. And it, it's it's a nitpick thing that just bothers me and doesn't probably bother anybody else. But you, you know they have the new tag titles, the red, uh, you know, gold plated <laughs> ones. So they show the graphic for RVD Morley. RVD has the new title, but then they show Kane. Versus the Dudleys, and Kane has the old title. So they were so lazy 
that they used the graphic from Kane when he was tag champions with Hurricane with the old title and didn't change it to the new title. Again, a little thing, but I, it just it, it bothered the shit out of me. I was like, are they really that lazy? They have millions of dollars to put into like a graphics department that they could change that. But. Yeah, you definitely you feel. I mean, like you said, it's a nitpicky thing, but you, you're definitely starting to see the the coasting creep in in this era. Like they feel like almost a little bit too comfortable. Like they don't, there's like, yeah, we'll make the graphic. Um, what bothered me about all this is that we have brand new tag champions and they're not in a tag match. Instead, they're, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're bullshitted off in these uh, singles matches, but we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to the matches, but that, exactly. <laughs> yes, that annoys me. Um, all right, Logan, you, uh, you alluded to this earlier, but Teddy long uh, approaches jazz backstage and says she has been a victim of bias. And that's why she lost. That's why the ref did not see this. And he wants to align her with him and Rodney Mack, and she ends up uh, shaking his hand. So it would appear that Jazz has um, has joined. I don't think it's been called this, but uh, we'll unofficially call it Thuggin' and Buggin' Enterprise this year. But <laughs> she has joined Teddy Long's uh, stable, which I think we haven't seen a ton of uh, like going into Mania or right after. But um, maybe they're trying to elevate them a bit. I think they had mostly been on heat in this era. I have to consult Ryan Gray. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think they get a little bit bigger uh, at, after this, obviously. Um, but I do think I think he was no, no, no. That's later. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, they get bigger after this for sure. Right. So adding to the ranks. All right, we then head back to the Rock backstage. He asks, uh, he <laughs> just accosts Trish for whatever reason. Uh, he asks if she's sweaty from the match or because she's been thinking of him. He does his old thing where he uh, tries to calm down his penis, where he says, easy there, big fella, and slaps on it. Uh, and who else but the knight in shining armor here, Logan? Jeff Hardy appears. Uh, Rock killed me with this. Um, this felt like uh, Sean would love this. Sean Kidd would love this. He just said, who the hell are you? <laughs> and Jeff just looks like such a goober with his face paint and everything. And Rock just like, who the fuck are you, you weirdo? Yeah, um, he's got these dangly little his dangly little hair in front of his face with his paint on. He looks so low rent compared to The Rock, but uh, apparently Trish finds him attractive. So who, who knows? Right. <laughs> uh, Jeff tries to fire back and he says, "Yeah, I saw you get your ass kicked by Goldberg." Um, <laughs> and Rock then says, uh, "You know what? No, go in there, put on your little, uh, put your makeup on, put your gear on, put your maxi pad on, and The Rock's gonna kick your ass later." And then after that. I'm going to kick Goldberg's ass, too. Just the way Rock fires this off, like, so, like, off the top of the dome, like, put your maxi pad on. Just all these random one-liners that it just seems like he's just, like, he he doesn't pause at all. It's so fluid. It's just amazing. But, yeah, I'm glad Jeff didn't try and talk more than he did because. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did as well. <laughs> yeah, he, he he doesn't really. I don't know that he ever super gets confident on the mic, but this is at this point, he's definitely, like, way way like he needs to say as few words as possible and he will get much further in the business but um i I think i think nowadays he can kind of speak on the mic pretty pretty well but uh like up until like maybe his title like his big title run in like 08 uh i don't think he ever really gets you just don't believe anything he says uh i feel like it just seems like super forced and like he has that kind of he has a little bit of an accent and it's just like Mm -hmm. i don't know anything this guy says right as natural as the rock comes off jeff is like the opposite it's like you're right it seems like he's reading off reading badly off of like a card or something yeah it's not but of course he goes to check on his his girl uh that uh jr will tell us in a minute that uh things are evolving 
But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if maybe they're Modestly, trying to do... I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> very modest. You look very modest here. Um, like, maybe... Maybe they're trying to do the hurricane treatment, like, hey, look what Rock did for Hurricane. Maybe he could rehabilitate Jeff Hardy, who's been running on fumes for six months. So we will see. Uh, all right, we go to part one of Morley versus the Tag Champions. It's going to be RVD versus Chief Morley um, in this again. So we have our newly missing Tag Champions. We don't get a nice little tag defense from them or a tag match at all. We instead get them... Uh, splitting off against the Morley administration. So pretty back and forth through this. Uh, a lot of Morley cowering a lot in the early going. Uh, I thought it was a nice German suplex uh, spot by RVD early on. I thought Morley took it well, too, to his credit. Uh, Morley comes back at him. Morley does the like the Eddie rolling verticals, which uh, was interesting. Uh, Rob comes back, hits, hits his uh, like signature arsenal, um, you know, the educated feet. You all know what I'm talking about. Storm comes in uh, and saves him, puts his feet on the ropes. Uh, Rob gets a visual pin right here. He comes back at him, pissed off, and it's a wicked step over. He does a step over kick, but really knocked the shit out of Morley on that oh, one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, looks great. RVD decide, goes out for the five-star and decides instead to uh, neutralize Storm to get him out the way. Um, but then he gets back in and kind of... <laughs> No, he didn't even fully do like the Randy Orton draping DDT. He just kind of DDT'd him back in and gets pinned by Morley, which I thought was a weak ass finish. Like no reason that RVD, even with like the storm, I mean, like, yeah, he dived out on storm, but he should not be in this era. <laughs> you know, a DDT is not, it's not like Morley's like Jake the snake where it's like a kill shot. Like mm-hmm. I don't think a transition DDT back into the ring should have been a pin. So um, I thought it was okay up to that point. I thought RVD looked really good. Like I said, that step over was wicked, but I kind of docked it a good bit for the finish. I thought this was a bullshit finish. I only went a star and a half, Logan. Yeah, I thought the match was all right. I went two on it. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Um, he does spike in pretty good with the DDT, but it, it's still, you know, just a DDT at the same time, even even if he dropped him completely on his head or whatever. But like, uh, yeah, definitely shouldn't be finishing off one of your tag champs. And this is a is the beginning of something that is just ridiculous throughout the night. Um, some weird, really weird, questionable uh, booking decisions. Uh, throughout the show, but um, the crowd was super lifeless for this one. Uh, and you, you know, considering RVD was in it, I would think that they would have woken up and like been super hyped behind them. They get they get uh, at the end of the match when Storm kind of gets involved, they boo a little bit more. But I just don't feel like they're very hyped for anything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Which it's not the most exciting match, so I kind of get it. But uh, I feel like most of the crowds in this time period were kind of behind RVD. Um, I think this is obviously just a way to kind of set up a rematch between former champs and the new champs, uh, obviously, and maybe even a triple threat, as we'll see uh, uh, later on in the show. But I'm just dying to see Morley and Storm uh, get another uh, title shot. So I, I know you are, too. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really uh, I'm really uh, just bubbling at the seams just to just to see that again, for sure. <laughs> right. RVD is like a guy like. In this era, like the whole time I've been doing the pod for the most part, where it's like the crowd just loves them so much, and they just—it's almost like they're trying. Like, what positions can we put RVD in to not like? It's almost like they have to try to get the crowd not invested in him because it's so easy for them to, and the crowd's so into him, but they just keep putting him in spots that are not super conducive to right. You know, like jobbing him out right after he wins the tag title, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
We see uh, Booker T and uh, Shawn Michaels getting hyped for the tag match later. And then we cut to um, write this one down for your trivia. But if you ever get a trivia question, uh, if we ever bring back uh, body pressure luck and you get (laughs) what is the only segment in the history of WWE where Ivory and Shawn Michaels are paired? This is going to be it as the uh, (laughs) those two are visiting, uh, I guess, an Air Force base. Somewhere, uh, I guess this was like still in Seattle or something. I didn't completely catch it, but um, it's definitely Fighting. big. Yeah, it was. It was like them doing like normal WWE PR, but it was also kind of like them doing the, uh, you know, because of the Iraq War. So they were really trying to push this sort of stuff, and especially at the end with King being so horny for the tanks. Like I don't know, he was very into <laughs> the tanks here, but you know, pretty standard, but. They're definitely trying to push more of this military stuff in this time frame. Yeah, yeah, they're really, uh, they're really behind the whole uh, war effort uh, at this time for sure. So, um, yeah, and yeah, like you said, King gets super horny for the uh, the uh, tank tanking down the uh, uh, statue of Saddam Hussein. So uh, that was that was pretty comical. Yes, and no coincidence that this is right before our next match, which is going to even up the ante on this uh, even more, as we're going to get Chris Nowinski versus Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner. Um, So Steiner comes out um, like he normally does. Chris Nowinski comes out, has the mic, and he says that, uh, cuts a promo saying that Steiner reminds him of America. Uh, And at first it seems like he's a uh, strong, you know, impressive, but also dumb and vulnerable. And then he kind of goes on this... Not even really like anti-war completely, more just like um, he's like, you know, we do this, um, you know, people like me are speaking out against the war because of our freedom of speech. My my favorite part of all this is uh, he goes, do we attack other sovereign nations? And JR goes, hell yeah, we do. Like, (laughs) they're so like pro-war, like, just hell yeah, we attack other countries. Just uh, You're damn straight. Skippy, <laughs> right? Um, the crowd boos him. They're not fans of free, like you know what I mean. I don't even know. I mean, he, I guess, he insinuates that he's anti war, but he's more just like his whole thing is about freedom of speech. Like, when other countries watch us, they're gonna think that we're not allowed to have differing opinions, and the people are like, boo, we're not. It's just, <laughs> uh, it's just <laughs> one time. Um, any thoughts about the promo before we get into uh, what ends up not even really being a match? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the anti-war thing was like, uh, I, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not speaking to political beliefs or anything. I, I'm not getting into that, but I think that was more of like a democratic way of thinking at this point. I think mm-hmm. that was kind of their party's platform uh, at during this time. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. That's what you believe. That's what you believe. Um, I'm not here to change anybody's opinion or anything like that but he's obviously going for that i didn't expect milwaukee to be one of those towns that would probably go right. against that very much i mean uh i guess i guess it's just booing nowinski just because nowinski mm-hmm. saying something but yeah you're like the the things that he's saying uh obviously there's things that you probably shouldn't boo uh deep down um but yeah this is just a this is just an effort to get steiner to uh beat up on nowinski a little bit and not uh he locks in the recliner on the uh ramp uh to kind of finish things off so and he's got the uh, facial apparatus of course uh once again this week so yeah not not too much but it's just yeah it's just yeah, steiner wrecks him <laughs> yeah. yeah he gets the heat from the crowd which he does a good job of i mean you know whatever he got the crowd to boo that was his job so uh, but yeah, Steiner wrecks him. I thought particularly the, uh, I know you're not a fan of the recliner, but the scoop slam I thought was vicious. Like he really, um, 
he dropped him on the ramp. But uh, yeah, it didn't raise the match because never really got into a match. He just got his ass beat on the ramp. So, um, but again, the overall thing in the grand scheme is that obviously this is something that they want to push. That they are, and as we're going to see with some vignettes later, they're going all in on this. They're trying to capitalize on, like I don't know if capitalize is the right word, but they're definitely going to use what's going on in the real world to kind of fuel some of these storylines. So Absolutely. and this just the beginning. All right. We see uh Goldberg just leathered out like leather jacket, leather gloves, just <laughs> full on leather. Um and then they actually show like a um it shows how long like Goldberg had been on the shelf. Like uh they show like this full Goldberg video package showing a lot of highlights of him in WCW like obviously trying to show anyone who was not watching at the time a few years ago, like who the hell Goldberg is, or I guess in their own view, like, you know, well, I'm sure there's plenty of people who never watched WCW at all. I mean, why would they? So they feel the need to just show this like Goldberg video package to anybody who might be, uh, might be ignorant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm surprised they, uh, the, the big kick that ended, uh, Bret Hart's, uh, career, um, actually, actually was in the package. I was, I was looking for it. I was going to say, I was going to see, I was going to see if they added the kick to my fucking head. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, very, very towards the end it was in there. So, um, but yeah, just watching him cut people in half with spears and, and, and the jackhammer and all that, it, uh, it was a good way to hype him up. Um, I think it's ridiculous that maybe WWE thought that not many people watched WCW. I mean, some, some of us that were younger probably didn't, um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was a good way to hype him up and uh, let you know who he was and what you could expect from him. <laughs> Brett's watching Raw. He just cuts the – just shoots the TV like almost like <laughs> – He immediately changed it to a Maple Leafs game after that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But between the last segment with all the pro-America stuff and then this, he's like, fuck Raw. Like, he's like, you know what? Maybe I do forgive Vince. He's like, god damn it, Goldberg. He's a shit. Uh, Amazing. All right, we head backstage where we have, uh, hey, look, our favorite guy, Christian, from Highway to the Impact Zone. Um, mm-hmm. The world's aligned. Uh, Christian wants a favor from The Rock, and, of course, The Rock takes us as sexual favors. He goes, ah, look, uh, no, you're a fan and all, but uh, let's not let's not take you. No, man, I want a copy. I want you to sign a copy of my Scorpion King DVD. So it's he makes as if this is for a friend, but he doesn't do a very good job. But he says, uh, sign it for my friend. His name's uh, Christian. Um <laughs> So Rock signs it, uh, says it's for, for his number one fan, Christian. And Rock decides to give Christian some advice, tells him that he doesn't seize the moment. No carpe diem. He needs to own the room. And Christian says, so I need to be a born-again Christian. And so he's kind of buying what Rock's selling, and uh, which is funny because Rock is like kind of backhanded complimenting him. He's like, you know, I never saw you uh, seize the room. You've kind of always been an afterthought is pretty much what he's telling Christian. But he gives him this advice, and then he um, – Rock just reiterates that tonight he's going to beat up Hardy and then he's going to beat up Goldberg. So maybe there's something, maybe Christian and Rock are going to have something, or it just could be one of these random Rock segments where he has a random conversation with someone. Oh yeah, I mean this is this is a very cringe uh, Christian right here, um, and, <laughs> and uh, his fellow Canadian will uh, will uh, also uh, live up to that cringe level uh, worthy level. Um, and, and a segment we'll get to eventually. Um, but yeah, this is, I, I feel like this was somebody telling rock to like, kind of like shoot on Christian, kind of shit on him. Uh, mm-hmm. 
uh, and like really really go in on him. Um, th- there's a there's a rumor at, at some point. I think this is later for Christian when he cuts his hair and kind of um, a little bit further down the line. But there was a there was a rumor at one point that he was going to adopt like a uh, rock type gimmick. So I wonder if this was kind of the beginning of that. I think they kill it pretty quick. But um, he was supposed to be the he was supposed to be the lock. I think that that was going to be his new his new nickname, but uh, it was something uh, they were going to work together. And uh, you know, Brian Gortz is a big friend with The Rock, and he was uh, buddies with Edge and Christian and Angle and all those guys. So he wrote a lot of the stuff for them. So um, I wonder if this was kind of a lead into that and like an alliance between them two. So um, I think, like I said, I think this a little bit further down the line when they try when they start to try to do that, and then they kind of give up on it pretty quick. But um, yeah, de- definitely a weird segment, and uh, <laughs> definitely makes Christian look like a big loser for sure. <laughs> um, I feel like it's probably for the best that they didn't roll with that. Him basically doing like the uh, who was the guy? Oh man, who was it? Kevin Sullivan's was it? Um, the bro- well, I can't think of his name. Was it Dave Sullivan or oh, whatever? Yeah, Dave was, Sullivan, yeah. Oh, yeah, that wanted to be Hogan. Yeah, mm. I don't know if that would have worked out for Christian too yeah. well. Yeah, but he would have done like the peeps eyebrow and the peeps elbow uh, and stuff like that. So he was he wasn't gonna be like a knockoff, but he was gonna like take inspiration from him. Like Shark Boy with Stone Cold, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, something like that. Right. Well, I can't go wrong there. All right. Um, <laughs> Jeff Hardy comes to the ring for his match with his boo Trish, and uh, he gets a big smooch. So uh, this is where I think Jr. says, uh, "Well, I don't know how to describe their relationship, but we'll just say it's evolving." So. Um, uh, we'll get to the match and then we'll talk about, you know, where Hardy stands and all this. But uh, a big match for Jeff who hasn't been really doing fuck all except having this, you know, I guess relationship s thing with Trish. But uh, he's in a big spot against the Rock at Rock's random match of the night. Um, Rock dominates early on, but the crowds bother him. So he's getting a little distracted. Jeff comes back at him, starts hitting some shots, hits the drop kick. Uh, I did like the speed of this. I thought Jeff's springboard moonsault looked pretty good. But, man, Jeff here, and I think sometimes it's always a little bit of a knock on Jeff for me, but I thought it really showed here. Is like, I just felt like all his offense looked really soft. Um, maybe because it's like rock and all rock stuff looks really crisp and smooth and he moves well. But just every, I felt like almost everything Jeff hit just like – like he goes to hit that twist of fate, and like I feel like he barely even had a grip on the rock. He just kind of drops. Just nothing's really executed super well. Like I'm not buying any of his offense. Uh, but Rock dodges the whisper in the wind. Jeff comes back, hits the people's elbow to kind of mock Rock. Hits the Swanton, but of course Rock just kicks out of that. DDTs him, hits the rock bottom, and handles Jeff Hardy pretty easily here. So, I mean, I guess kind of a decent spot for Jeff. He he looked okay. Like in their eyes, like he did get some offense on Rock, but. And really, you never got the sense that Rock. It wasn't like an Undertaker Jeff Hardy match, like where you thought Jeff had any fucking shot in the world of winning this match. But I thought Rock kind of carried him with the energy. Like I said, Jeff still to me looks a little bit off, like his he's just not super crisp. He's kind of always, like I said, he's always a, a bit sloppy. But I thought he looked really not fantastic here. So I went two and a quarter on the whole match. Again, I don't think he he kind of dragged the whole match down. Um, but I think it could have been much better if you were getting, obviously if you were getting like peak Jeff Hardy here, so I only went two and a quarter, Logan. Yeah, he, it looked a little slower for sure. Um, <laughs> and, and some spots that, that like clunky is probably a good way to describe it. Um, you know, he still had his regular stuff, um, but it just didn't seem like, like you said, not as crisp, uh, maybe as usual, but, um, feels like. 
feels like every now and then they try to phase them out um, for some reason or, or another. Like they'll they'll start to do something and they kind of phase them out and then they start to do something to kind of phase them out. Because like before Mania and before No Way Out and all that, he was going to be like HBK's protege. And then they kind of try to phase him out after that. And then now now they've sort of doing this Trish relationship thing. So um, I, I thought this was a big spot for him for sure, uh, especially considering what we're going to get into after the match. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's a huge spot for him, uh, to be in there with the rock. Uh, I called the, I called the Jeff Hardy people's elbow, the, uh, glow jizz elbow. I thought that was a good <laughs> for the match. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but the rock is awesome in this run. Um, he's super giving to these newer young talents. Uh, I did it with hurricane. He does it here with Hardy. Uh, I, I, I really appreciate that. It seems like he's, uh, letting them get their shit in. Uh, but he also gets his shit in and, and ends up winning the matches most of the time. Um, but I, I really appreciate that he gave, I mean, and even Booker T let him win the battle Royal uh, to get the number one contendership for the world heavyweight title for mania. So I, I feel like he's very giving in this uh, run and it makes me uh, kind of have a better light on him. i uh, not that I didn't love him beforehand, but I, I really, really appreciate this run for him uh, overall. Um, but I thought it was a solid match. Um, I, like we said, Hardy looks a little clunky. Um, but, uh, I think he was in, uh, I think he was in rough shape. I think he was hurting pretty bad and I think he wasn't in the best, uh, mindset I'll say, uh, at this point. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, it, it's understandable. Um, uh, but I went two and a half. I went a little higher than you, but I, I thought it was solid. Now, now you told me this would end up, this ends up being his last, like his last appearance for like, this is where he kind of drops out. Right. Mm, yeah, this this is his last TV match. I don't know if he has any live event matches after this, but mm-hmm. this is his last TV match for sure, yeah. Right, so I kind of mentioned at the top of the show, like, the only note I really found, and I even looked ahead in the Observer, the only thing they really have is just a general note about how, you know, he was kind of, besides all of his issues that everybody's usually aware of with Jeff Hardy, that besides that, like, he wasn't, like, he... You know, he felt like he had made enough money. He wanted to focus on his music. So besides all of his personal issues, it doesn't sound like he's super motivated. Like, he just needs a break from it, too. So I think what, I mean, we'll get to, I'm sure it'll pop up in the news at some point. But I'm guessing at this point, all these things just kind of like, you know, and and it could be because apparently they were like trying to keep him on board, right? Like, instead of being like, well, you know, you want to quit, quit. Um, they kind of want him to do his contract. So maybe all these things are giving him our way, like them, try, like knowing he's talented and trying to get him motivated. Like, Hey, we'll give you a match with the rock. Hey, we're going to buddy you up with Trish. Who's like, you know, the biggest woman on the roster. Like, I don't know. Maybe these were their ways of trying to get him, you know, to find, <laughs> to go with the short bike, to find his smile again, <laughs> you know, like to, you know, just to find like his passion for it. Cause it seems besides his drug problems and personal issues, he just wasn't really feeling it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I looked at his Wikipedia page because I don't have the uh, the Observer uh, subscription to be able to look at that kind of stuff. But it just says he's burnout. Um, he needs some. He needed some time. He probably is hurt. Probably had some nagging injuries that he needed to take care of. Uh, but I think he's just tired of traveling. Um, and they they offered him some kind of contract that would allow him to. I think eventually, with the kind of what they do with Jericho, they'll allow him to kind of go out, do his music stuff, and then he'll do a certain amount of dates, a certain amount of uh, runs with them. But you know, uh, obviously the 
the WWE's got to kind of cover themselves, so they blame it on his like erratic behavior, his drug use. He refused to go to rehab. They they say his in ring is deteriorating, which is somewhat true. Um, I think he's still pretty all right, but obviously he's getting a little slower, and uh, he's obviously hurting somewhat. Uh, you can just see it in in him in how he how he has wrestled uh, the last few months, and then he's been tardy and kind of no shows some of the live events. Uh, so um, yeah, just it, just a lot of stuff piling up. I think he I think he was really just tired of the life, and he just kind of wanted to take it easy for a little bit, and you know, write some music. Uh, play with his band uh maybe hang out with some of his family so i think it was just a lot of stuff piling up at once seems like for the best based on you know his recent appearances but um we will see him along the way in the timeline eventually when i get there he will be back so we'll see you then jeff all right but uh rock after he uh after he handles uh jeff hardy he calls out goldberg um what do you i'm not a huge fan of the I wasn't really feeling Goldberg's gear with the black biker stuff. Like, I don't know. Something about it didn't seem, I don't know. It doesn't seem Goldberg to me. It's like weirdly like too humanizing for Goldberg. Like, I kind of like when Goldberg is like this weird, like, I feel like he exists just like in his, you know, wrestling attire and he just like sits in a chamber of sparks or something. I don't know. It's <laughs> for whatever reason, I, I wasn't feeling his, his biker gear. I don't know. What'd you think, Logan? You usually have opinions on details like this. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not a big leather guy, so uh, I, I would have liked to have seen him come out just looking jacked, maybe maybe with the jeans on, uh, you know, looking looking like a badass. So yeah, I, he, him looking like a normal human and not a fucking cyborg like he usually is, uh, probably not the best best look or choice of look for sure. So Rock decides on the backlash match that uh, nah, he's not gonna do it, mm-hmm. and just kind of uh, heads back up the ramp. And that's when his uh, his new buddy Christian tries to sneak in, um, gets nowhere, gets speared. <laughs> um, but Rock tries to take advantage of that, goes back in after Goldberg. Uh, Goldberg basically no sells Rock's offense, and then Rock runs back up the ramp. And then he meets Terry backstage shortly after and tells her she wants to know, well, Rock, what is the reason why you won't face Goldberg? And he says, the reason, Terry, you want to know the reason? Well, it's because. (laughs) And so the only reason he is is because. So (laughs) that's where we are. Um, Certainly it's not going to end this way, but that's what they're going with now. Um, I don't know if it's just because they didn't really know what they wanted to do with this yet (laughs) or they're just trying to make Rock look smug. But he just says that he's not going to do it because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. Uh, uh, whenever my wife tells me that, I'm like, um, you got to give come up with a better excuse than that for why we're not going to do this thing that I want to do. Um, and it's just always because, and I'm like, no, nah, that's not a good enough answer. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him just accept the match, but uh, obviously he's just playing the little chicken shit uh, heel that. He, he has become at this point. So uh, they just wanted to draw it out, make it a little more exciting uh, when he actually does end up accepting it. It is interesting that they haven't, because you would think the obvious thing with Rock Goldberg would be like, you know, like two icons or whatever, but already they're not, you could see them not immediately wanting to present Goldberg that way. Like maybe they don't see him as that. Because yeah, to yeah. me, I mean, that, right? No, go ahead. No, yeah, he, he needs to emerge into that icon level because he needs to beat the Rock to be, uh, at the level that they they don't necessarily believe that he's at uh, now, but will be if he can pull that match off. Right. It's like almost like they don't completely have a story for this, but to me that would be your story. But they're not really. I mean, they're putting they're making Goldberg seem, and apparently I think part of this. Um, I read a little bit that 
the part of this was like Rock was actually going to lay out Goldberg and Goldberg was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, so <laughs> you already see like Goldberg trying to cut, like, you know, stick it up for himself. Like he's not going to let them just completely shit all over him. So, yeah. All right. So we'll see how that plays out, but we will go to our, uh, the second half of uh, the Morley administration versus the tag champions as Kane is going to be in a handicap match against the Dudley boys. Um, so the Dudleys uh, stomp Kane around for a minute. Kane comes back, hits some Kane offense, backdrop, spine buster, but they come back, the numbers overwhelm them, and they win with a uh, 3D. So, I mean, I guess they want to show that Morley's going to use the numbers game to this, but I know it's a handicap match, and I know he's against two dudes, but he's Kane, he's a tag champion, and they pretty much beat him in about three minutes, like... It wasn't really all that much of a struggle. I mean, he got some offense in. I ended up going to star on this. I mean, it's whatever. It was just like a three minute handicap match. But I, I don't get the I don't get the booking of this. I guess they're trying to I guess they want it to be like you know, like the faces against overcoming the odds, but like they're champions. Like we need to I don't know. It's like they have to do this shit because they don't have a tag division. So instead of having tag matches where they like defend their titles and stuff, we have to do the stupid chief Morley, you know, <laughs> stuff like RVD comes out to hell, but, uh, the Morley administration beat him down with a chair and, uh, storm drop kicks the chair in the, uh, RVD's face, which is fucking nasty. Like it looked like a sex shot, but you know what I mean? Like instead of doing what you would normally do with tag champions, like what we'll see on SmackDown or what we do see on SmackDown, we have to get this nonsense, which I'm very not into. Yeah, just just terrible booking idea. I mean, it, it's it, this one's a little more excusable because it's a handicap match, or the Dudleys are like an established, legendary team at this point. Um, but very questionable, very stupid. Um, I, I thought the match was fine. Uh, nothing was really wrong with it. Uh, I went two stars on it. Just I thought the match was fine, but like yeah, like you said, it only goes like three or three or so minutes. Um, but like I said, the 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 decision to put both tag champs uh, down um, is just a terrible decision. But I mean, I guess it's either leading to a Dud- the Dudleys getting a title shot or Storm and Morley getting a title shot back, or maybe both since they both beat half of the tag champs. Um, but I hate that they literally won the titles last week and they're already both losing. Um, like you said, that Van Deminator that storm hits, uh, after, mm-hmm. the, after the match was, uh, really cool looking and really sick looking for sure, but not, not a bad match. Um, very, just too short and not much happened. And I, you would, you would think that Kane would have put up a little bit more of a fight. Right. Yeah. It's just, uh, the whole thing. And like the winning the titles are kind of like them conquering it. So I feel like we need to move past it. But again, we can't because what are RVD and Kane going to do? There's like literally no one for them to face. Like there's no tag team. So that's all I have, um, which sucks. All right. Um, your boy Tess is backstage. He blames oh, Goldust for for not getting laid last week, man. I didn't get any. Give me in trouble with Stacy, man. You got to help me out. Uh, uh, Goldust uh, uh, looks like apologetic. So Stacy comes in and he decides to tell Stacy he was looking at the magazines. But his um, elect- <laughs> his uh, electricity-induced Tourette's kick in. He said, naked, naked in the duffel bag, naked in the duffel bag. And, of course, uh, Tess tries to hide this. He's crafty because he has a uh, – he, he says, oh, this is just a Goldberg. It's just a Goldberg magazine. Look at Goldberg. But, actually, he just has the Goldberg, Goldberg cover over the Playboy, which Goldust also um, 
also uh, rats him out on his fake cover, fake cover. And, uh, <laughs> so, of course, he gets in trouble. Stacy who storms off and he blames Goldust. Like, Come on, man. And then um, Goldust looks at the, looks at the playboy and then goes, ooga, ooga kabooby, booby or some <laughs> shit. Ooga kabooby or some <laughs> bullshit. So absurd. Uh, as, yeah, as awesome as Goldust is in these segments, God test is the fucking worst. I, 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 you know, at points I feel like, man, they could get behind this guy. He's so big and such a he can he can wrestle pretty well when he wants to. But man, I, I, in these segments like this, it make me think like, why why did they keep him around as long as they do? It's just he's so bad. I mean, it's just oh, I haven't gotten any a week. Like, who cares? You're dating fucking yeah. Stacy Keebler. Just the fact that you get to look at her all the time, this should be good enough. Um, but yeah, just like two, two back to like because they do the original where they talk them two talk, and then they come back from commercial with uh, Stacy coming in. So just two terrible acting uh, like, things for test in a row. And like, where are we gonna go with like necessarily to test Goldust feud? Like, what is the yeah. Like, what is the point of all this? Because, I mean, Goldust is entertaining, but he would be entertaining with anybody they put him in there with. Like, yeah. what is this doing for Tess besides making him look like a... Like, so now his character is he's like a douchey boyfriend. It's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they know the point of this. They just think it's, like, entertaining, and then they get to show the Playboy for the 50,000th time. <laughs> all right. Um, but big, big surprise here. We have Stone Cold Steve Austin is here. He's in the Stone Cold truck. He comes down. Every, the, the crowd's losing it. The, gra- the glass shatters, but it's actually Eric Bischoff in disguise. He gets out of the truck. He's wearing the Stone Cold um, attire. He mocks the crowd doing the Stone Cold uh, mannerisms. Uh, he goes on to drag Stone Cold, talk about firing him, and he says that he actually misses him. But what he misses is the look on Austin's face when he fired him. And then we turn to JR's comments last week where I believe JR said that Eric Bischoff was, quote, something, the uh, most terrible person who has ever existed or something like that. Um, you kind of knew where they were going to go with this. And he says, if JR's comments to say he wants to say it to his face, JR walks off to the uh, onto the stage by the entrance. And uh, uh, King is pleading with JR to just apologize and let it go. JR asks if he could say one thing about what he said. Eric is maybe expecting an apology, and JR says, I meant every damn word, and you could take this job and shove it. I quit. Mm-hmm. And of course, Eric says that he uh, can't quit because he's fired, and JR walks off. So um, you will not show up the rest of the show. Um, I guess for now, he is fired. Um, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I mean, obviously, maybe this is for them to try out. I mean, I guess they want to give Coach a tryout as he's mm-hmm. always a replacement here. Otherwise, I don't know. I guess to get heel heat on Bischoff, I guess, would be the other reason for this. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely to get some heat on Bischoff for sure. But maybe this is one of those times where they tried to transition. Uh, they're not firing JR, but they just want to transition into a different spot um, and maybe give Coach a shot to see if he could uh, ascend here and be the be the new uh the new commentator, the new head commentator, um, and, and run the show, uh, at the commentary booth. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know how long this lasts, but, um, it doesn't last at the same time. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously just to get some more heat on Bischoff, but, um, maybe, maybe one of those test runs that they would try to do every now and then with a different commentator. Yep. Well, either way, JR has walked off the job. So for now he's fired. 
All right, and we will get to our next match, which is the most uh, second from the top um, towards the last half hour of Raw match you're ever going to see, and that's going to be Goldust versus Stevie Richards. <laughs> uh, coach uh, comes to replace you on commentary. I mean, there's not a whole lot more you could say about this. It's just a standard, like, two-and-a-half-minute Raw last hour complete filler match. Um, the highlights for me was, like, you know, they just go back and forth. Goldust hits like a, uh, a sky-high-looking maneuver, kind of like a little um, – I thought that was okay. Uh, he goes for the curtain call. That fails. Stevie hits like a um, – probably Goldust's fall, actually, but he hits like kind of like an X-factor. But uh, Goldust doesn't sell it super well. Victoria's with him. She goes for the belt, but she can't find it. So Stevie's distracted with that, and Goldust wins with a power slam, his kind of typical snap power slam – but they're calling that the uh, shock treatment now after his electrocution. Uh, so, again, like I was saying earlier, Victoria just, you know, I mean, here she's not, she's presented like as Stevie Richards, like incompetent partner. So maybe they're downgrading her to focus on Trish and Jazz. But the match itself, I went one, just to complete throw this out there as filler. Yeah, I went, I went one as well. I said pointless match to build up a point, pointless tension between Richards and Victoria. Obviously, I don't really think maybe outside of heat that goes anywhere. Um, I don't know what belt she was going for. Are they trying to play off that she's, they're so stupid that they think she's still the <laughs> women's champion. Um, Cause the hardcore yeah. championship doesn't exist anymore. So Stevie would never touch or be anywhere close to a belt. So um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't really know what belt she was going for. Uh, I, I don't know if they said belt on accident and she was trying to go for the chair. She gives them the chair eventually after the match uh, when it doesn't matter anymore. Um, and, you know, with the whole test gold busting earlier, you know, I, I'm not advocating for a Stevie Richards win on Raw. Or anything, <laughs> but like, this feels like a perfect point for, like, Victoria to distract the ref and Tess just come up, come in and, you know, kick Goldie's head off or something like that. Or even after the match, come and just obliterate him with uh, some moves or something like that. So it makes Tess look even more losery. I guess he's chasing after Stacy, so he's distracted uh, and can't really do anything here. But um, if you're going to do that with Tess over the last couple of weeks with Goldust, you would think he would want to get uh, some kind of revenge on Goldust. But, yeah, pointless match to build a pointless storyline that we'll never uh, probably deal with again. <laughs> right. Uh, Goldie even gives them, uh, Victoria and Stevie, the uh, noggin knockers to really make them look oh, like yeah, some inco- right. <laughs> incompetent goobers too. So again, that's what I was saying. Really not presenting Victoria as like, cause like I'd say like a couple of months ago, they would have presented Victoria. Like she could beat Goldust on her own. Like that. She was a beast. Now she's just mm-hmm. a goob with Stevie. So. Yep. Exactly. From that. All right. Uh, all right, Flair is getting Jericho and Triple H hyped up, trying to tell them to get along. He knows they have a history. And um, the thing that stood out to me in this is that, like, they used the word bury like six times. Like, so to me, I don't think that was an accident. Like, yeah, we're going to go out there and bury both of them. So uh, probably some shooty comments probably about um, what the Internet or whoever I said about Triple H and Booker T, if I had to guess. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But the way they emphasized and said bury multiple times, just I felt like it had to mean something. No, oh, yeah, exactly. Yes, they, they the fact that they use it so many times, like you said, it's just that there has to be a, a deeper meaning somewhere in there. All right. Before the main event, we get a quick video segment, um, which seems to be a French newscast. Uh, and we get two news updates from two young uh, Frenchmen who say that they will be here soon. Um, definitely played off as anti-American heels um, talking about similar uh, 
kind of echoing what Chris Nowinski had said before. But I like the presentation here. They go super French with it, where it has a French name for the broadcast. And they also, I didn't notice, what they don't say their names yet. Um, we know who they're going to end up being. But uh, I do love the turtleneck. I forget who had it, but just a smug, like, super Chris turtleneck was, I thought, um, a nice little touch there. Yeah, I think they reveal their names. on. They do it on SmackDown as well. Um, I think they put, you know, what they'll end, who they'll end up being. I think they do that on SmackDown for sure. Um, but yeah, just you know, obviously this is going to be a tag team, so we, you know, we we've wanted a tag team to for have to have for uh, RVD and Kane to come in and fight. So uh, you know, this is a young team, so maybe they'll come in and catch on fire, and m- maybe uh, have some matches with them and uh, have some good stuff. But uh, a new young tag team is uh, definitely exciting to see. Right. Now with that, we get to our main event. That was hype last week. It's going to be Jericho and Triple H versus Booker T and Sean. We start with a full-blown face-like-shine sequence. It's all Booker T and Sean. Uh, Sean hits the plancha. Book gives Triple H the uh, 10 shots in the corner. So just all faces to start. Um, it made me think in this match that Triple H has to to uh, to team with Jericho because his both of his, you know, evolution buddies are hurt right now. And it just had me think of like, I wonder if at any point they thought about cutting bait on Orton. Maybe not because of his pedigree and everything, but like just in this first point, like he's injured for the whole time, does the Randy news updates about his shoulder, then comes back and now has this again. I wonder if they almost like, you know, because he was so young, I guess his pedigree helped him. And I guess they knew the potential he had, but man, like he really was like riddled with injuries early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had he had very uh, bad luck with injuries for sure to start off with, and yeah, they probably wavered a little bit, but they were like, "Man, he's been good when he mm-hmm. is is there." Uh, so uh, you know, I think they probably gave him maybe this was his last chance. Whenever he he comes back this time, but um, I think he pretty much knocks it out of the park when he does come back. So, um, right. But yeah, I think that it, it, maybe at this point they. Uh, we're like, all right, we're going to give you one more chance. If you can't stay healthy, uh, we're going to have to do something else. Right. Just, I just knew, like, watch this match. Like, they must be bummed that Triple H they have to throw Jericho with them randomly to make this work. But um, some pretty good action here. No real momentum for either team. They're just kind of trading shots um, until Rick uh, uh, pulls the rope down on Sean, chokes him with the coat. And as this is happening, we see a, uh, a limo arrive as they settle into a heat sequence on Sean, kind of wearing him down, get the hot tag to Booker T. He lights up Triple H. Um, furious action in this match, like just knocking guys off the apron. Like they never stop. It never really slows down, never gets plotting. Um, of course, we end up with Triple H and Booker T as kind of like um, the final showdown. And uh, Triple H goes for the pedigree and Booker T bridges it for the win. So. Um, I guess giving him a win back after losing on WrestleMania. Um, Flair immediately jumps in to go after Booker T. Uh, again, the, and they really make it seem like they're they're going with a Booker T knee injury because the way he like over exaggerated, like like Booker T when Flair does a chop block, he's, he's like he's like oh my knee, pretty much like mm. it's so um, exaggerated. Sean gets blasted with terror. Hurricane comes. He's the only hope they have. He can't do shit. He just immediately gets his ass beat. They uh, handcuff Sean, and things are looking pretty dire. And before we go on to uh, what's next, uh, we could kind of rate the match here. I thought it was a pretty fun match. I ended up going two and three quarters on it. Uh, I thought the energy was there from all these guys. You know, the finish is what it was. It's them 
trying to throw Booker T a bone, even though, as we're going to see next, that what happens at the end of this is going to, I think, pretty much squash any chance of Booker T getting a rematch or something. But, uh, you know, for what it was, I thought the match was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I went two and three quarters as well. I love the immediate chaos. The immediate, when Sean comes out, him and Booker get in the ring, and they immediately take it to Jericho, Triple H. Um, we get the limo uh, before they go to the final commercial. Um, Jericho and Sean just have such good chemistry. We saw that at WrestleMania. Um, we see it here in this match. I think that segment uh, where they go at it for a good bit is the hottest and best part of this uh, match that they have. I, I mean, I wrote down that it's another questionable, or like semi-questionable result. I, I'm I'm good with the faces winning, but uh, Booker beating uh, Triple H clean again because he beat him before Mania, and he's obviously beating him now after Mania. Like, why not just let him win at Mania and like drop the belt back at the pay-per-view that's coming up or something like that? But you know, he's obviously good enough to pick up wins against this guy, but he can't win when it matters most. So. I would have rather Sean maybe snuck the pin out here because, you know, that's a match that they could probably build to in the future. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I say I say all that uh, as the post-match attack kind of clearly introduces a new player uh, into the main event picture, but I'll let you get to that. So I'll let you tell us. So who is it that comes down the ramp that was in the limo? Uh, Big Sexy emerged from the limo, and uh, I wreck shop. I kick some ass, so, yeah. There you go. So, um, uh, Kevin Nash, but they are kind of going more with the diesel presentation here. He kind of, he has the diesel music. Um, he's got his hair, I think dyed a little bit here. Um, a little bit. But I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, kind of a tepid response though. Um, I think once he gets in there and starts throwing shots, I think the crowd, but just on his entrance, like he doesn't get a, like he doesn't get the Steiner at survivor series pop for sure. Maybe that's just a crowd. Like you mentioned, Logan, they, they haven't been the hottest crowd, but, um, yeah, to me, him walking down the ramp, I was like, well, that's the last one you're going to get over triple H Booker T. Cause <laughs> your ass is going to be out of this picture now. Cause we know where this is going. Um, uh, but big Kev cleans him out. He power bombs Jericho that wakes up the crowd. Triple H has the sledge, and um, they kind of do a stare down to uh, end the show. But uh, he's in great shape, too. His arms, he looked fucking jacked. His arms were huge. So um, Big Kev in great shape, at least looking. Um, we'll hope it, his body holds up. Unfortunately, it uh, has a tendency to to break down on him. But he is back, so we kind of it definitely makes it seem like we're heading in a Kevin Nash versus Triple H direction. And that's how we end the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think he still has a little bit of a limp from the quad tear. Um, but yeah, other than that, he looks physically uh, very imposing. Um, definitely has a die job here. Um, but yeah, he comes in and wrecks shop. I think maybe the crowd doesn't respond as well to him because he was a heel when he left, uh, when he went out with the injury. Mm-hmm. So maybe they don't know where he's standing. Obviously, once he goes at Flair and goes at Jericho, um that 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 his 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 allegiance is definitely face. They don't. He doesn't attack Triple H because I think they're trying to play off like which friend he's going to go with because he obviously saves Sean, but he doesn't really go after Triple H either. So maybe they're going to play off that you know Triple H doesn't need Flair anymore. He's got his big buddy to kind of watch his back. So um, that that'll be probably a storyline that'll play out between here and Backlash. But it's a. Uh, I, I think they definitely wanted to play that idea that maybe he could be Triple H's buddy. Um, mm-hmm. but obviously, he was leaning more face because he attacked Jericho and uh, Flair at the same time. 
All right. So wrap the show up with that, with Diesel's return. Uh, so overall, the show, I thought the main event um, was pretty good. The return, I thought, was a, a decent little moment. Uh, Rock is really good as he is. The show moved, I thought, at a pretty good pace compared to a lot of Raws. Um, but I think it was dragged down just by, like, the useless filler we get and just a lot of, uh, you know, j- some questionable booking and just kind of like they just can't seem to find too many things on the undercard that I, I care about. Like, you might get a decent match here and there, but there's just, like, besides the main event picture, there's not a whole lot interesting going on here. So I went four and a half. I thought it was an okay in-ring show as far as Raw goes, but I just went a tad below average. Yeah, I, I went five. I think it was pretty down the middle. It had some good stuff. Mm-hmm. It had some bad stuff. Um, definitely a lot of questionable booking decisions, having both tag team champions lose. Um, like I said at the end, like having Booker win, when obviously afterwards you're going in the direction of Kevin Nash. Um, he's definitely going to be a main event player. And, you know, Booker T's, uh, he lost his big chance. So, you know, um, they're obviously going to go in a different direction, whether it's Sean or uh, Nash. You would think Nash in the immediate future. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty down the middle. Um, some of the matches are pretty good. I thought the opening women ma- women's match was a good opener, good physical match. So um, perfectly fine show, but nothing to write home about either. Yeah, I think I was hoping for a little more memorable Goldberg Rock um, confrontation. And we didn't really get that. That would yeah, have maybe bumped it. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We moved to Chicago for SmackDown, April 10th, 2003 SmackDown. And we see Brock has returned, making his triumphant return. Um, he's walking backstage. Uh, there are a group of fans that uh, includes uh, the future of Mr. Kennedy and one uh, CM Punk. So both of these guys, I guess, were in Chicago and got the call up. So you could catch them in the background doing a little cameo here. And Brock also signed some random girl's boob. So. They're definitely presenting Brock as like this, uh, a little bit more of a normal face champion here for what it's worth. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like uh, CM Punk was very uh, like library nerdy looking in this for some reason. I feel like he he looked like he read a bunch of books at that point. But yeah, we get Punk, we get uh, Mr. Kennedy with the awful goatee chin beard thing. (laughs) He he looked weird. He had a Polaroid uh, or uh, one of those wind up cameras. Uh, (laughs) He was taking pictures of the girl's boob that uh, (laughs) Brock was signing. Uh, uh, Davari, the eventual Davari was in the crowd as well. And um, ODB is a TNA woman that we'll eventually get to on highway to the impact zone, but she was in the crowd as well. I never knew that she was, uh, she might've just been a local talent um, wherever, where, where it was this, Smackdown, where is it emanating from? Do you remember? Chicago. Chicago, okay. Uh, maybe she was a local person um, at that point. So, um, but yeah, we'll get to her on highway eventually, but she was in that crowd as well. Right. So if you want to see some interesting cameos, fire up the Smackdown and watch this whole intro. <laughs> um, but we're actually going to open with our champion. Uh, Brock's going to make his entering return against uh, Matt Hardy. They're billing as champion versus champion, though not title versus title. Our Matt facts of the night is that Max book Matt's book is a bestseller, of course. Like um, <laughs> they put that, of course, and that Matt is currently the longest running singles champ on SmackDown, which is amazing because there's two singles champs on SmackDown, and Brock just won the title. So just uh, like that, he's cooking the stats there, uh, twisting the stats. But um, Matt talks some shit, and Brock just smiles at him. 
Uh, Shannon Moore immediately sneaks in with a six seconds of the match, and uh, which allows Matt to land sneak in a belt shot um, from distraction. He's not able to get the win, but I thought this was a good move early in this match because it kind of equalizes things. Yes. And it makes it to where um, Rock can kind of play more of the face and peril a little bit because now he's kind of reeling off of that and Matt's sort of taking advantage off of that. Um, uh, but he comes back. This uh, this electric chair is just insane. Like Matt fell right on his neck. It was kind of scary. Like Taz is even like, man, that was crazy. Like, uh, like, uh, like just drops him right on his neck. But uh, Matt, the story of the match is that uh, Matt's kind of going after the neck too. He hit him with the belt in the neck, kind of going off the because uh, they're not shying away from the uh, the mania thing too. The shooting star press, him having the concussion, and everything. Uh, Brock eventually comes back from Matt working over his neck, hits a belly to belly. Uh, Matt tries to lock in the twist of fate, but Brock just tosses him up on his shoulders, hits the F5, and uh, knocks Shannon off the uh, off the apron too, just like for good measure. Um, but yeah, I thought this worked pretty well. It's just like a title defense for Brock. Matt doesn't lose anything because Brock's presented as a monster. Um, I ended up going two, but I thought this was a good little opener. Uh, and I like that they use the um, use the belt at the beginning to make it kind of believable that Matt would kind of hang in here for a little bit. So um, not a bad return for Brock. Yeah, I went two and a quarter. I, I liked it more kind of immediately paid uh, dividends uh, on the outside distracting the ref for the belt shot. I thought that was a good way to like neutralize Brock and obviously uh, going for the head. He has the head injury from uh WrestleMania uh, that he was out for last week. I thought Brock's clotheslines that he hit in this match were particularly brutal. Um, he hits one at the very beginning, and then he crushes him with one kind of later in the match. Um, he hits a couple of belly-to-bellies, and they were some pretty close call uh, belly-to-bellies. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Matt barely got the rotation, especially on the first one. I, I'm not quite sure on the second one, but the first one, he like barely made it all the way around. Um, and I thought it was a cool uh, reversal to the twist of fate to like kind of stop like mid twist and then just lift him up on his shoulder for the F5. So yeah, good, good solid opener. Like you said, Hardy didn't lose anything and losing to Lesnar because Lesnar is such a force and obviously uh, the biggest thing going on SmackDown uh, at this point. But um, yeah, solid opener for sure. Yep. So Brock returns with a big win. Uh, we didn't move on to a recap of the uh, the leprosy interview that we got last week where Hogan uh, doesn't fire Hogan, but uh, Vince doesn't fire Hogan, but gets him to stay home or whatever. And then we get a throwback where we get Piper talking over the famous uh, Frankie Williams Piper uh, Piper's Pit where he says the, the great line is uh, every time they have the uh, – I may be misquoting a little bit, but every time they think they have the answers, I change the questions. And this is all the hype, the return of Piper's pit tonight. So the Piper moment was not just a one-off. He's going to be returning, I guess, for some Piper's pits. Um, but then we, they again go back to the Hogan vents and they show like a whole package about it. And we were already dying at the leprosy line on the last show. And then here they just do like the super slow-mo where he's like, uh, and you will die of leprosy. killed me all over again just so absurd (laughs) like so obviously like you know it's such a vince thing that he said this and like he's like all right all the video packages once you really emphasize leprosy that's the key is the key theme of this is leprosy like it's just such an insane like it's such a vinceism he's an insane human being and he says a couple of lines later that are just absolutely absurd so 
Um, but yeah, just the leprosy. You're gonna die of it. Like just absolutely ridiculous. ridiculous. All right, but we'll get Piper's pet later on tonight. Um, and then we get uh we head back to the ring where Sable comes out in a uh, a lacy bodysuit and she's just sitting ringside with her Playboy. Uh, they showed like a little kid in the background. And I could not believe you didn't try to sneak a glimpse of that Playboy unless it was like fake or something. But um, he was just he was just pumped to be on camera. He didn't. He right, didn't he was so worried about the camera. He didn't get to see the boobies, as Tess would say. <laughs> The boobies. Yeah, he, um, he, he's not into girls at this point, so he was just excited to be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Sable's out here to watch this uh, mixed tag match here. Um, or I guess intergender, because I guess the women and men can interact. So it's going to be Tori and Brian Kendrick versus uh, Jamie Noble and Nydia. Very Tony Hawk pro skater song for Brian Kendrick. Very, uh, like, <laughs> skate punk <laughs> deal going on. Uh uh, I really dug this opening sequence with uh, Noble and Kendrick. Uh, like the counter sequence they did was like a DDT and then reverse into a Northern Lights. That was pretty sick. Nidia comes in and gets some shots on Kendrick as they kind of work him over. Another cool reversal spot with uh, Kendrick and Noble as they, uh, Noble reverses a slice bread to a neck breaker. So that was another cool little reversal sequence. Kendrick uh, continues to impress me, man. He really he goes balls to the wall in all these matches. Like he brings it. Uh, they go for the nitty launcher to try and finish things off, but that fails, which allows Tori to come in. She comes in, catapults the nitty, hits a Russian leg sweep. Uh, Kendrick neutralizes Noble, but he comes back in and pulls Tori out the ring. Noble does. But again, they uh, Noble and Nidia fail in the double team, and that allows Tori to win with the uh, Taz kind of saves it here. I think it's supposed to be a tornado DDT, but he calls it a swinging DDT because... Um, it would be, it's a bit slow for a tornado. It would be, if it was a tornado, it would be like an F1 because it was not super fun. Um, I thought they structured this match real smart though. Like letting, um, you know, Kendrick and Noble come in and hit these crazy high spots and kind of save Tori for the end so she can get, you know, because really that's who they're looking to get over in this match. And so let her come in, do her moves, and then pick up the wins. So I thought I went two and a half on it. I thought they structured exactly the way that you should with this. And then you get a few moments where Noble and Nidia, you know, fail with the double team moves. So you get to laugh at them. So for what it was, I thought they did a good job of piecing this together. Yeah, I, I went two and a half as well. Um, the, I, I mentioned the gross Northern Light suplex into the turnbuckles as well by uh, Noble. Uh, I thought the the guys in this match uh, wrestled really well, wrestled a really solid match. Um, but a, another another thing of the crowd, I think the crowd was uh, very much more into the idea of the girls fighting. They really wanted to see Tori. They chanted Tori at one point when Noble and Kendra mm-hmm. were kind of going at, at it. Um, but I, I thought the women even did pretty well. I thought it was uh, solid mm-hmm. all around. And the crowd, once Tori got in there, they were even into what the guys were doing. And I, I can't remember exactly what Taz said. But he talks about to Cole like um, why slice bread number two is called slice bread number two, and he says something like because that's the only thing better than slice bread. So <laughs> <laughs> they had to name it twice because it's the only thing better than slice bread. So um, <laughs> just just an absurd line by Taz for sure. Uh, he's wonderful. I love Taz. But yeah, well done. Here's another one later that I can't wait to talk about. (laughs) Um, But they um, they accomplished their goal in this match. It was to get Tori over, and um, you know they did it. So 
Mission accomplished. All right, uh, Rhino and Benoit are uh, backstage, and they're kind of doing like a friendly rivalry thing where they're both talking about – they tell Brock that they both want to see him at Backlash because they're about to face off in uh, our first semifinal match of the uh, SmackDown title tournament. Uh, so uh, we start with some feeling out. Rhino wins the test of strength, as you would expect. Um, but Benoit's twisting out of everything, as he does with a lot of these bigger guys, kind of just using his technical skill. Um all the shots in this look legit, which doesn't surprise you given the two people involved in this. Um, they kind of, um, I thought it was an interesting like role reversal here is um, this, what they do a lot in this match is like Rhino is like kind of working rest holes to ground Benoit because Benoit's so relentless. Like he hits him with a body scissors. Um, so I thought that was kind of a little bit different than what you'd expect from these two, but uh, he goes for the gore. He misses that Benoit fires back at him with the chops uh, goes up for the head, but it nearly goes. It was like, I think they even called on commentary, like three quarters of the way, just insane, mm-hmm. almost coast to coast uh, flying head. But, but as is typical of uh, Benoit with this move, it usually stuns him enough for his opponent recovers. So Rhino kicks out, but Benoit is able to twist into a backslide and then gets the win with that. And they shake hands after the match as kind of a show of respect as the, uh, as they are kind of, somewhat still tag team partners. So uh, just a good stiff grinding match from these two. Um, Benoit is really good in this. Just he's able to kind of like, he just really does a good job throughout this of like making himself seem legit that he could beat this huge guy, just the way he wrestles and uh, twists out of all Rhino's big moves and kind of catches Rhino off guard with how relentless he is. It's all really good. And I like that they went with a little bit different finish with the backslide. So actually went three on this one, Logan. Yeah, I went three as well. Um, I would have liked to have seen Benoit maybe get the tap, but they're trying to keep Rhino strong, I understand. They're trying to keep him as one of these upper mid-card guys that maybe can qualify and uh, be a number one contender for Brock at some point. Uh, so they keep him strong in, in that. Uh, but, you know, just uh, I, I'm a, uh, Benoit obviously has the higher ceiling of the two guys, I would say. So I would have liked to have seen him maybe get over a little bit more convincingly, but I understand why they went the way they went. Um, but really, really physical match. Very good match. Um, uh, really good semifinal uh, for this tournament to kind of set up Benoit to go into the finals um, with who he's going to face uh, there. But yeah, really physical match. Um, big chops, big physical strikes from both guys and just a lot of power moves and that. Uh, headbutt I, I think he goes all the way across the ring honestly um like like rhino's feet are like almost under the turnbuckle in the opposite corner so um just ridiculous uh at athleticism that he can pull that off all right all right so we change tone a little bit as we head back to the uh the showers where uh we see sable slowly uh walk into the shower area and grabs tori's towel um where tori is showering um, tells her how great she is, and then uh, Tori asks for the towel back, and she says, oh, no, you have to come to me to get it. So uh, Tori has to walk towards Sable, who's holding the towel outstretched for her to go to. So um, <laughs> kind of running back to Dawn Marie thing here, except they're definitely played up a little more um, that uh, that Sable is this cougar. I don't, know, like, uh, I don't know if it's like she's playing mind games with her, trying to seduce her or whatever, but that's definitely what they're going for, like this – older lady even though i don't know how much different their age would be but um either way that's what they're going for here so smackdown always trying to run these um you know softcore porn angles yeah <laughs> very racy angles um but yeah they're trying they're definitely trying to uh form some kind of relationship with them whether you know 
they're going to get together or whatever. Um, obviously, they kind of did that with Don Marie, like you said, um, but it was more of a, a way to get into uh, Tori's head than it was for them to actually have any type of relationship. But I think this one's more kind of going in that direction for sure. Yeah. But uh, like we said last time, I think Sable's kind of nailing the role, like with the mannerisms and all these looks that she's giving. I think she's doing a good job on it. For sure. All right, we now go to Piper's Pit, back in the ring, the return of Piper's Pit. And, of course, uh, Vince comes out before Piper, uh, starts bragging about leprosy, of course. Uh, and that um, just perfect, goes right along with the Hogan thing. Like, he's on this whole trip about these older guys, but he says he's brought back one of his creations, Piper's Pit. Uh, uh, then we get um, uh, Piper finally comes out. Taz gets Ireland and Scotland confused, and Cole has to correct him. Um, he says, oh, you got to watch that Irish temper. He goes, what do you mean Irish? He's from Scotland. Oh, man. I missed that uh, one, but that's, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> An Irish temper, Cole. He's like, what do you mean Irish? Uh, Vince is the guest, of course. Um, Piper uh, goes in at Vince and starts uh, going after Vince's fingers. Uh, and like... Uh, he says that nobody made Piper. Vince tells him to calm down. They're just here for a nice casual interview. Uh, Vince starts making fun of Piper's gut <laughs> and says that he oh, could, God. if he wants, he could join the Kiss My Ass Club. Just a lot of making fun of Piper's gut, <laughs> talking about how he's eating uh, like sausages or kielbasas or something. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, and then he goes, I'm just ribbing you, pal. Um, he says he looks like Mae Young when she was pregnant with the hand. <laughs> just, oh, no. <laughs> so of course Piper's not going to take this. He fires back with Vince says that uh, before, which I never knew this. Um, I, I have to look more into this, but that before he did wrestling, Vince failed as a rock and roll promoter, um, and the WBF failed, uh, and the XFL when he tried football that failed. The only thing that Vince has ever been successful from, he got from his daddy Junior. Um, Vince's stare during this is really good as Piper's like um, calling him out on all this. And so Vince, you know, seeing that he's being threatened, pivots back to their hatred of Hogan, and they kind of shake on that. Vince heads back up the ramp, but before he can make a break, Piper says that the one thing they don't have in common, though, is that he has never been pinned by Hogan. So I guess guess Hot Rod's only thinking of WWF because I'm pretty sure he was pinned by Hogan in WCW at, like, Super Brawl or something, but... You know, neither here nor there. All right, this is going to continue on, but um, what do you think of this uh, uh, Piper Vince portion of this? Yeah, just absurd, them two together, especially this era of Vince, and Piper's always just a rambling mess. He he talks about everything and nothing at the same time. Uh, he shouldn't have made fun of his gut. He should have made fun of how creamy and pasty his legs and arm were because <laughs> he has absolutely negative percent uh, tan on his body at all. Um, Vince says something about before Piper even comes out, he says something about Hogan being in a wheelchair eventually and having a bag that will contain his shit or something like that. <laughs> it was it was just absurd. Um, I, I thought this was mostly pointless. Uh, it obviously becomes uh, something after Vince leaves, but I feel like it was just a just them talking and just basically saying they both hate Hogan. Um, but I, I thought it was mostly pointless uh, to an end. Um, but yeah, just some more absurdity from Vince. And then mm-hmm. um, obviously the rambling uh, incoherency that uh, is Roddy Piper. So uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but um, I understand that it's building towards something. 
Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know what they're really trying to build for. It's not totally obvious. Um, the highlight for me is just insane vents, like with all the, <laughs> so I'm just rubbing you and call it the May young thing and all that. <laughs> and I did think at least again, I don't really know where they're going with this, but I thought Piper was pretty good at calling Vince out on his bullshit. Like all the things he failed at. So that was all right. Um, I think it would have been better if they would have just cut it here, but instead it continues on Vince leaves. And then Rikishi comes out with a coconut and of course, I mean, he's coming to get revenge for Jimmy Snuka, as they showed the clip earlier, the famous uh, Snuka getting hit with the coconut. But before he could get to Piper, Sean O'Hare comes in and jumps Rikishi and lays him out with a chair. And so um, Rikishi gets hit with the coconut. And I guess maybe they're going to go with like a maybe Piper's going to be Sean O'Hare's mentor, which seems like an odd pairing. But um um, but yeah, that, my problem here was just too much going on and this Rikishi stuff on here. The Vince stuff went long enough. Like I thought if you just get in out, get in and out with Piper and Vince, you know, at least that's entertaining for insane Vince and Piper and all that. I just thought the the Rikishi thing like seemed tacked on. If you're gonna do that, maybe do that as its own Piper's pit on the next episode or something. Just a little bit too much crowd, too all over the place. Yeah, this is a lot of time filled into this segment. Um, yeah, they're obviously aligning O'Hare and Piper here. Um, Piper's going to be some type of mentor to him. And then Rikishi was coming out to get uh, revenge for his a uh, quote-unquote relative. I think they kind of claim him and their uh, family as like a blood blood brother or something like that or blood cousin or so, some weird Samoan oh, cool. thing. Yeah. yeah, some, yeah. <laughs> um, the bloodline, so, Logan, the bloodline. Yeah, 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 I was like, he's a, he's a tertiary member of the uh, bloodline. We'll say that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, the pairing then of Piper and O'Hare is weird. And even now it's just even it, it, it we'll, we'll get you'll We and you will get into it as you go on further in this uh, pod. But yeah, just not, not the best uh, pairing right there. I think when you say bloodline about Jimmy Snuka, it's about something else. Yeah, that's true. Yep. How about it? Okay. Ew. <laughs> All right. We get another promo from the French guys who are, again, they're smug, but they don't come off as totally unreasonable what they're saying that, um, but uh, I like their, uh, the line I got was there are wealth of culture and they're speaking in French. And so I didn't catch it, but apparently you said they said their names here, which would be, um, watch tell us, uh, yeah, um, yeah, th- they showed their names here for sure. Um, Sylvain Grenier, which he had been the like special mm-hmm. referee of uh, Vince uh, before. Mm-hmm. He was kind of the crooked referee that Vince had in his back pocket. And then Rene Dupree is the uh, other fella. Uh, he's only like uh, 18 or 19 years old here. He's super young. Um, so I think he's 19. I think is what he was. Um, but yeah, he's super young talent. Um, uh, he, he is legit French, I'm pretty sure, and um, – uh, Sylvain is French Canadian. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But cool vignettes. Again, I like all the little details of putting the French, um, you know, putting the actual title of it in French and everything. So we'll see when those guys debut. All right. We'll see our tag team champions, uh, team angle. They're going to be facing, uh, uh, Ray Mysterio and Tajiri. So kind of a random team, but definitely a cool one. Um, pretty awesome team. And, uh, what they play up here is that, um, how are team angle going to function without their leader with Kurt on the shelf? They don't have their coach. So it's kind of like the team without the coach. Um, so they actually get the, uh, they get the mic and they dedicate the match to their to Kurt. Uh, and they demand a moment of silence for silence for Kurt. Of course they get some big booze. And then 
uh, Sheldon goes for some supreme uh, cheap heat by dogging the Cubs, saying they haven't won a championship in 100 years. But really the first time we've seen these two guys, and I guess since Angle's gone, they're going to let these guys, you know, have a shot more at working the mic more because they don't have Angle to carry it. But, I mean, they're okay. They said, like, all 10 words, but it was fine. Promo yeah. Part. Yeah, I mean, this is good to get them some reps in uh, in that department for sure. Um, obviously, neither of them are super duper confident at this point, but they they, they did well for what they were uh, allotted in the time that they were given to do that. So I think I think it came across well. And so uh, this may be the line that you were talking about earlier, Logan. But um, so like we said, Cole mentions that uh, they're operating without their leader. And so Taz, uh, the master of analogy, says, yeah, it's just like when Snow White ate the apple and then the midgets had no leader. And Cole's like, what in the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly the one I was thinking of. I wrote that down. I thought that was insanely stupid, but amazing laugh from Cole and Cole or uh, from Taz. And Cole's just like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) yeah it's just like when the the little midget said no leader (laughs) ridiculous uh um but um team angle are getting their asses beat here eating drop kicks so kind of played off that maybe they're a little out of sorts without their leader leader Lilo, but uh leader (laughs) without leader uh sick double team as uh as they catch the momentum as Haas just throws ray on the apron and uh Shelton uh, cracks him with a sidekick. I thought it was an awesome, um, awesome double team. They also had a, a double team gut buster. So love all the double teams with uh, Team Angle. But uh, and Ray just makes everything better. Like oh, man, it's just his offense is so crisp, and he does all this crazy shit, and it's just amazing. Uh, but they isolate Ray. Uh, but a lot of good cutoffs here as Ray's going for the tag. Things are kind of breaking down here. Again, I can't call everything that's happened here because. I literally don't know what half the moves Rey Mysterio's doing. I think he just gets up there and starts twisting and fucking throws guys. I don't know. But uh, things end up breaking down, and Rey hits the 619, a leg drop, and Rey actually steals the win here. Um, so kind of a surprise. So kind of, um, you know, validating what they were saying earlier, that maybe they're not up to their A game without Kurt here. Um, it is a non-title win, though, but this will most certainly set up a um, a title match. And, you know, I, I don't mind it because Tajiri and Ray is a pretty awesome throwing together team. Um, but, yeah, super fluid action here. Like, I loved all the cutoffs. The double team moves by Team Angle were awesome. Of course, you get Tajiri coming in there and throwing his kicks in, as always. Ray is just fantastic in everything he does. Um, just flying all over the place. Um, I hope when they do run it back, they give it a little bit more time because I felt like they maybe got a little bit in the second gear, but I would love to see this go like a full 15, 20 minutes and really like a full on tag match. Cause I think they could have like a really awesome one because this one was three stars and I felt like they left something in the tank. Yeah, I definitely went three stars as well. And this is back to back weeks of, uh, these kind of cruiser teams, uh, Tajiri and Funaki was last week. That match was really good. I thought it uh, really over-delivered, considering that Funaki was one of the participants in it. Um, but Tajiri's awesome with his kicks, like you said. Uh, Mysterio, uh, again, like you said, makes everything better. Um, it, it was just incredibly crisp and awesome action. Uh, it never stopped. It was constant movement, constant flow. Um, but yeah, three stars. Um, if they could do uh, my, my, my note for this match is if they could do this cruiser teams versus uh, team angle every week, I'd never complain again. Another really solid tag team match. So, uh, I really enjoyed it and thought it was great. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Take a hit raw, get some tag matches. Mm-hmm. Tag matches are good. Um, but so we'll see how that plays out if they're going to run it back, but 
Ah, I can't get over Ray. He's so good in this era. I mean, he's always good, but fuck. All right, we had to uh, we had to Undertaker. He's in a bad mood based on Cena's comments last week. Um, when he comes in here, he expects to get respected. <laughs> You're not going to talk about my balls. <laughs> There's very much what he's saying. Uh, but this is a good promo, though. I thought he was good. He was angry. Kept it short and sweet. Got over there. He was pissed off about Cena and that he wants to kick his ass. So um, um, he's been good. I, I actually don't mind the promos from uh, Shut Up and Fight Taker because he doesn't get all long-winded and he doesn't do the whole steal your girl thing where he starts – I don't know. I think his promos are better when he keeps it just kind of old school like this, no pun intended, and just kind of hits his main points, says he's pissed off, and then goes about his way. Yeah, just kind of says he's going to whip your ass, and that, that that's all that really matters, and he's just uh, re- real to the point and uh, doesn't really pl- play along and get too philosophical about anything. He's just going to mm-hmm. come in there and wreck shop, so good, good stuff. All right, but before we get to that uh, semifinal match, we're going to see the um, – the monumental debut, finally the in-ring debut of Nathan Jones, and he's be facing Gold Demott. <laughs> as if they couldn't make it more obvious that this was like a um, a glorified like a tryout match. Uh, uh, but uh, not super smooth with the lockups here. Um, you know, I don't know. They kind of go back and forth a bit. Gold Demott hits a few shots in. I think pretty much the only moves that Nathan Jones does in here is that he. Um, he does some punches, uh, he locks up, and then he wins with the big boot, but it's not really anything spectacular. It almost looked like a transition move, big boot. Like, they don't really build it up much, but, the yeah, he just didn't look impressive. I think for him to work, we've said it a million times, he's got the physique, he looks like a monster, but, um, like, the one thing that they needed to do in this match is make him look like an impressive monster, and I do not think he did. He kind of looked like a guy who was just trying to keep up and come in and hit the three moves that he had planned out to do, and that was about it. So I actually went, uh, I went Dudski on this because it was a squash that did not accomplish its goal, which was to make Nathan Jones look good, and he did not. Yeah, I went Dud as well. Uh, like you said, it's just a match to supposedly get Jones over, and it doesn't really do that at the same time. I don't think it did a very good job of doing that. Um, I... I'd, I keep saying this, but I don't think he's long uh, for SmackDown. Right. I think this might this might be the. De- I mean, he probably shows up a couple more times, but I think this is one of the death knells in his uh, this early run. Yes, I, I, if this was supposed to be like his, all right, here's your shot. We're finally think you're ready. Go in there. I can't imagine this changed their mind because it didn't. Right, like it didn't even. He didn't have like a even like a impoverished man psycho sit energy or something he just looked like he doesn't really know much of what he's doing like like he just seems a little too unsure and when you're a monster you can't look hesitant so yeah yeah very right. unsure of himself for sure yep not much else to say all right the fbi are telling the police that they've been robbed someone took uh i like that they keep adding things onto what was taken from us twelve hundred dollars than this than a laptop it's like 15 different things but the important thing is that they know a suspect. And then we cut to Nathan Jones being questioned. And Taker comes to defend him. Is like, why him? Just because he did some time. Uh, so <laughs> it looks like it almost would appear that within seconds of him having the match, they're trying to write him off the show by him getting arrested. <laughs> so that's how I took it. Yeah, it, it definitely was going to lead to something. Uh, I think we may see it in our main event coming up pretty quick. But um 
uh, yeah, I think it was definitely had a purpose, but uh, maybe they used it as the way to completely write him off, but it definitely wrote him off for the night, uh, which ends up helping uh, one of our combatants at the main event. All right, and so that will bring us to our main event, which is going to be our um, our second semifinal match of the uh, number one contenders tournament. It's going to be John Cena versus The Undertaker. Um, Cena comes out still talking shit. Um, my highlights of this rap were um, he says that uh, he's gonna, how he's going to be repossessing The Undertaker's yard was a good one. Of course, gets a dig at the uh, local sports team by saying he's going to turn your White Sox brown. <laughs> um, oh, God. And then maybe the best one, it's like, well, if you're a dead man, I'm a necrophiliac. (laughs) God, so cringe, so cringe. (laughs) It is, but it it works. Like, it's it's memorable, you know, like he's, it's much better than the prototype with his generic ties. So Mm -hmm. I'll give him that. And he, and he says something about, uh, you better bring, bring back Paul Barrow because I'm going to put your ashes in the urn or something like that. So um, he mentions Paul Barrow, so that's pretty that's pretty funny and uh, kind of a random slip in there. Right. So, of course, that just pisses off Taker Moore, who comes in hot. Big strikes on, on Cena, hitting him with the soup bones. Uh, we hear that on commentary that Taker postponed the surgery here, so kind of showing maybe that Taker has a weakness. Uh, I believe it was his... Uh, I want to see his elbow. Yes, his hurt elbow. Left elbow, yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, Cena getting nothing of this. He's just getting his ass kicked the entire time. Um, he gets choke slam, but he's um, has a presence of mind to get the ropes. Taker hits the apron leg drop. Um, but um, similar to what Matt Hardy did a little bit earlier, Cena's able to sneak a chain shot while the ref has, ref has his back turn. And so now he has an opening. Um, to take her t- bails to the outside. Uh, Cena hits him with a baseball slide to the hurt elbow, starts stomping on it. Taker recovers and hits old school. Taker not totally if you're nitpicky for selling the right limb. Taker's a little sketchy within this as he kind of like there's a few moments where like it's supposed like you said the left arm you like shoulder blocks him with the arm that's supposed to be hurt. So if that kind of bothers you, that may irk you a little bit in this one. But uh, Cena's still coming back, hits an arm bar, but uh, Taker's right back at him, hits snake eyes, hits the big boot. Uh, Cena manages a desperation spine buster. Goes for the FU, but Taker counters that. Goes up for the last ride, but the FBI quickly come out, take out the ref, and attack Taker. Uh, take out the ref, and then go after Taker. No Nathan Jones to help us. He's being taken out to be questioned by the police, of course, like we saw earlier. Taker gets blasted with a chair by Palumbo, and they throw Cena on him for Cena to pick up the win and uh, advance to the finals of the tournament. So, um. My only issue with this, I thought, you know, obviously you're probably not going to have Cena be, beat him clean, and you kind of want Cena to go on because I don't think they're looking to put Taker in the world title picture right now. So I, my only gripe with this is I would like a little more shine from Cena. I did think he looked like pretty gritty here, like he was resourceful, like he, like he, like to me he came over as tough and resourceful, even if maybe he was getting dominated a little bit too much. But it's kind of the story they told that he pissed Taker off. So, you know, I do wish you to look a little better in the beginning, but I do think he came out of this looking pretty good. It's a big spot for the FBI being paired with Taker. Like, um, um, so good for them. But I ended up going two and three quarters on it, Logan. Again, if you're nitpicky about the, uh, you know, it's no classic or anything, but I thought for Cena being put in the main event of uh, SmackDown against Undertaker, you know, advancing in this uh, tournament thing, I thought he looked pretty good. Maybe not perfect, but... I thought he came out of this looking better than he did before. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the the not selling the arms is not something that bothers me. I, I went two and a half on a little little bit lower than you. I just thought it was pretty right down the middle match. It was good, mm-hmm. but not great. Uh, nothing nothing uh, too too much to write home about. Um, like you said, it's a big spot for the FBI. Um, we know now why they got Jones kicked out because if Jones was still there, he could have helped uh, Taker. Um, but you know, Taker had obviously uh, messed with them last week uh, in their dealings that they had. Um, and that they were going to get revenge. Um, Colombo hits two pretty brutal chair shots on Taker. I thought they really laid those in pretty well. Mm-hmm. Or, or Palumbo hit the first one. It might have been uh, Stamboli that hit the second one. But um, just, yeah, two sick chair shots. I, like you said, I thought I thought Cena was pretty crafty in this match. Uh, he takes a little, every, every other little opportunity he can, uses the chain. Um, obviously, uh, Taker puts his arm in a uh, vulnerable position, and he kind of takes advantage of that starts working on that after he kind of drags it over the rope and yanks it pretty hard. Um, the elevation that he gets on uh, Cena on the last ride on this, you know, obviously he did it to Ray the previous week and Ray's like at least a hundred or 120 pounds lighter than Cena. So um, uh, the fact that he can get him up with such ease and just hold him up there is pretty awesome. So, um, but yeah, two and a half solid way to end the show. Cena, uh, continues to impress, and he's obviously being pushed uh, up the card in this one. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how him and uh, him and uh, Benoit's match in the finals uh, next week will go. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like, I think it's a they've taken it. I like the way they've gone with the term. I think Benoit and Cena is an interesting matchup, where Benoit is kind of more legitimate and maybe seems more there. And then you have Cena using it maybe as a spot to elevate him. And I will say, like, even if he was on his heels too, they've They've definitely in the past couple months have established Cena. They moved him from being like a goofy kind of heel character to more like, you know, he might say some goofy lines in the rap, but when he gets in the ring, like he's tough, like he can handle himself to a certain extent. So they're slowly like moving him into a more legitimate spot than just being like this goofy vanilla ice guy. He doesn't have fucking B squared with him or whatever dumb shit. Like, (laughs) like, you know, he seems like a more, like maybe still a little bit of a goofy gimmick, but they're taking a more serious turn with it. So, um, but we uh, we'll wrap up. So we'll see Cena versus uh, Benoit presumably next week. But yeah, uh, quick quick SmackDown as usual flowed pretty well. Um, I think the show is carried by the in ring stuff. I think you had a lot of fun matches. The show moved very quickly because you ran through these matches. The uh, you know not a ton as far as angles like you know. Uh, the Vince stuff was, you know, you got entertaining Vince, but didn't really go a lot of places. Brock, he's kind of just staying put right now. So I ended up going six out of ten, mainly on the back of it being such an entertaining show to watch in ring. Not really storyline development. Yeah, definitely. I went six as well. Uh, definitely better than Raw uh, this this week. Um, the in ring was uh, pr- pretty outstanding for the most part. Not too many misses in there. Um, even you know, even the mixed tag match or intergender match, whatever you want to call it, I thought really delivered uh, all around uh, all, all the people in that match. Um, but yeah, definitely a really solid show. Um, I, I think, I mean, obviously you're doing something with Piper, continue to do something with Vince, but that ma- or that segment went on a little long, and I think it's mm-hmm. ultimately pretty pretty pointless um, in, in the long run. But um, yeah, that that's really the only bad part, stinker part of this, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. But a solid SmackDown for sure. Yeah, they, I feel like they're still trying to reset everything with uh, after with Brock and Angle and all that. So, mm-hmm. 
All right, so that, that wraps the week up. Let's get to some quick awards. Best match. I had a few tied at three, but I'm going with the tag with uh, Team Angle versus uh, Tajiri and Ray. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with that as well. Uh, best moment, I think I guess I'll go with the Nash return. I feel like that's the biggest happening on these shows. Yeah, the Nash return, I'll give a, a, a honorable mention to all of the future superstars that we saw at the beginning of SmackDown. That's a pretty, <laughs> right. pretty cool, pretty cool low-key moment, uh, I'll say. Great. Um, best show, SmackDown? Yeah, SmackDown for sure. Um, just on the back of all the really good in-ring action they had. LVP, I think a uh, guy we just talked about would have to be Mr. Nathan Jones, who may have just uh, sealed his fate with that shitty <laughs> match. Uh, I'm going to go test. He was pretty bad in this. <laughs> you could also go yeah. Christian. Christian would give you a good pick, but um, I'll go test. All worthy candidates. Uh, For sure. I, str- <laughs> I struggle with MVP on these. Like, I feel like there's, I didn't really have one person who really stood out on these. I'm almost tempted to give it to Cena just because it's like a big spot for him at this point in his career. And I think he held his own and the, you know, his raps and stuff have gotten over. I don't know. I was, I mean, you could easily go with rock. I mean, I think rock maybe is more obvious. What'd you, what'd you think? I, I'd go Cena. I think it's a big spot for him and he he's living up to uh, the hype that I think they're kind of putting behind him. So uh, I'll go for Cena uh, this time. Yeah, I think it's a good week for Cena. Not really, you know, kind of a lean week. Um, top five, I'll go some standouts. Definitely have Rock on there. I'm guessing you probably do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nash just for the debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll even throw Booker a bone for getting the pin and that uh, that that tag match. Uh, that's still a big deal, even though it's not going to end up turning into too much for him. But that's a big deal that he got the a pin there. I think everyone in that tag title match, I think you're arguing team angle just continue to deliver like week in and week out and uh, the Tajiri Ray team was real fine. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's definitely two solid picks. Um, Kendrick, I, I continue to be impressed by yep. him. So mm-hmm. I've got to throw him in there. I'll even prepare, pair him and noble together. Just, uh, just all the cruiserweight guys are just killing it lately. Um, like, like you just said with Tajiri and Ray and uh, them two uh, as well that were in that mixed tag. So, a lot of solid performances for the, this week. Yep. Um, yeah, I think and, I'll throw Jericho and Sean were good in that tag too. I think. Yeah, and Ben Benoit for making the other half of the finals. So. Um. Right. Yeah, and that rounds it out. Um, tough for Goldberg. You know, he's a big, big star, and I feel like he. I don't know. His so far, he hasn't really popped. I mean, he's there, but it's not like hasn't really done a whole lot. I mean. To me, it's got like to the fact that neither one of definitely not MVP, but neither one of us even thought about him for like top five. And I mean, he's fucking Goldberg. Like his whole thing <laughs> is his presence, you know. Like it tells me something is is not right at the yeah. moment. Yeah, I just feel like he's more presentation at this point. Like they're they're mm-hmm. still doing the vignettes and stuff like that. And he spares Christian, but who cares about Christian at this point? So I mean, you know, uh, when he starts having matches and maybe uh, is a little bit more of a physical presence in the ring, it'll be uh, a little bit. Uh, he'll have more of a chance to kind of make his way into that top five. Uh, need the entrance. We'll see how it plays out. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Logan, there wraps us up. Another week in the books. Uh, what do you have going on pod-wise? I think, I think you mentioned last time that we had, that you had something new, but I think now you can actually let it rip on what the new thing is. Yeah, yeah I believe, no? I believe as of this pod, uh, uh, this week, uh, the Jenny position drop will be talking docs. Uh, it's me, Roger, and Jenny. 
Uh, we're talking about documentaries. We uh, talked about the Heaven's Gates uh, cult. Uh, the Cult of Cults is what the name of the uh, uh, documentary actually is. Uh, or that's this little subtitle. It's Heaven's Gates, The Cult of Cults. Um, but a very interesting uh, whole, whole story, a backstory to that. And uh, we just kind of dive into the whole thing. It ends with a giant uh, uh, member mass suicide at the end. So it's uh, real crazy. Um, uh, everybody needs to listen to that one. Uh, we really go into detail with it. So um, strong stuff for there for sure. Um, as far as other stuff on the NOSO, I have the Seven Months of Danger um, with Sean Kidd, Matt Souza, and Scott Schiffler. We're going through the Dangerous Alliance. Uh, storyline we're a little over halfway uh, getting getting a little bit further down the road on that one kind of getting towards the end uh, building towards Super Bowl right now um, and then uh, Cronoso uh, that you also do Jake right here on the um, uh, North North South Connection uh, we do that monthly uh, we're our next episode is going to be Survivor Series 87 so um, definitely looking forward to that yep uh Yep, I do a lot of podcasts with you, Logan. Some on the uh, mostly on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling feed. Checking everything here on the North South. Tons of uh, stuff dropping all the time. A lot of video content now. Not from me, but from other people. <laughs> so um, check that out. Um, it's really cool. It's a little bit. It's a, a little bit different. Kind of change. Change shows up the way we do things. A lot of drafts going on. I know we got that going on. So I'm sure you'll be able to find something. Check out Logan's new pod. But. Otherwise, um, I will be here. We'll be back uh, in a couple weeks, I think, and we will continue down the road to Backlash and uh, see uh, how things pick up, Logan. Yeah, we definitely have uh, faces for radio, so uh, video is probably not <laughs> in our best interest. <laughs> but, yeah, looking forward right. to continuing the build for sure. Yeah, I would have to – I need to set up a cool uh, backdrop. I'll look like a <laughs> loser compared to all the cool ones everybody has. So I have to work on that first. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we'll be back in two weeks to cover another week of TV, and uh, we'll see you then on the Roots to Aggressive podcast. Music, please. I dribble around like basketball, them people call me ET. Extra tall, you better than Shaq Tech. Fool, shut up, liar. I lean on a statue of liberty when I get tired. Then I punch her in the stomach, I don't give a heck. Hey, yo, why you pull a hooker like that? Yo, she breathes on my neck. People walk around like, yo, they get charged. But I'm big like a gorilla. Six, seven, and large. I kick rhymes like New Duck Kwong do. I smoke, smoke the mic, mic like Cheech and Chong do. You don't like Shaq, frankly, I don't give a damn. I know I got skills, man. I know I got skills, man.
this The Shaq man in the arsenal What's up like that? Double XL and a 9-0's kid Skills to make mills Big up, flavor unit, funky town Pros up fate and get your large So check this out, Shaq man We gon' let this beat play right about here Let the brothers and sisters Nah, no, nah, no. let me continue I'ma be like P-Rock, let's see what's next on the menu Mike Checker, the rim and ride wrecker Rocks from here to Mecca Boom, shaka lecker lecker I got a hand that'll rock your cradle Cream you like cheese, spread you on my bagel My Ford Explorer booming with the clunk of funk All you jealous punks can't stop my dunks The brand new like heavy, built like Chevy And Paula, yo Shaka smooth baller Yeah, but what about Ron? I could hold my own Knick-knack, shock attack, give a dog a bone Rhyming is like hooping, I'm already a legend Back in the days in the food step section Used to kick rhymes like baby, 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 baby. Every once, every twice, three times a lady Is what I listen to, riding with my moms How you like me now? I drop bombs When you see me, please dab my hands I know I got skills, man, I know I got skills, man Like to give a shout out to my boy Uzi Dev Jeff Little Swanee, Meech, Ron Mack, and my other cousin Ron. This is another buck shot from the Arsenal. And you know what? Booty rappers, stay booty. <laughs> and we out. Psych.